The Devout Remnant, a podcast brought to you by Soka and the Fatima Center. Catholic youth gathered in Denver for Soka's annual conference. What were some of the spiritual fruits? Why do we encourage everyone to make a five-day silent Ignatian retreat? And we address the reason for a spiritual communion and what graces flow from it. All this and more is discussed by Kevin Rorty in this 19th episode of Our Lady's Shock Troops. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, Content Director for the Fatima Center, joined once again by Kevin Rorty of Soka, Souls of the Christian Apostle. Kevin, good to see you again. Great to see you, David. And uh, I think we've both been uh, through some busy weeks. I was certainly traveling a lot and finally settled home, I think, out of the last I don't know, nine weeks, maybe eight of them were very unusual and not a regular routine for me. And you just had a major event, so I know you're sort of recovering from that. Yeah. So um, I thought perhaps today, and, and yet both uh, included sort of, I would say, maybe heavy-duty emphasis on the spiritual and the interior life. So I thought today maybe we could just touch base on that, kind of catch up with how it went for both of us in some of these things, and let our viewers know, because just kind of a conversation between friends is what we've been talking about. The friends need to talk more about the spiritual life, yeah. and there's no better way than maybe to model it, and people will hear, and they can join in our experiences vicariously, but also sort of realize that this is a you know, perfectly normal thing that human beings do, right, when they love the faith and they love our Lord and our Lady. Today, I'll go ahead and start with a prayer. Uh, I love doing a spiritual communion, so I'll do a spiritual communion that is slightly modified. Actually, Father Rodriguez helped me slightly modify it, but it's based off of St. Alphonsus Ligoris. We'll try to put this up on the screen, and you can join me as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My Jesus, I firmly believe that thou art present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, increase my faith. I love thee above all things, and I desire thee in my soul. Yet my love is weak and inconstant. Strengthen my love for thee evermore. Since I cannot now receive thee under the sacramental veil, I beseech thee with a heart full of love and longing to come spiritually into my soul. As though thou art already there, I embrace thee, and I unite myself wholly to thee. Permit not that I should ever be separated from thee, thou in me, and I in thee, in time and in eternity, in Mary, in her immaculate heart. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, uh, yeah, we can talk about a lot of things. Um, just to let you know, one of the things I did is... One of those weeks that I was talking about was such an odd week for me was that I went on a, a retreat and it was a five day silent Ignatian retreat. Oh, wow. So you don't talk at all, except, you know, obviously when you're doing vocal prayer among the group, it was a men's group. There was about 20 men there. It's directed by a priest. So he does give you talks. It's basically to help you meditate, really. I mean, it was just meditation after meditation after meditation. 
Oh yeah, they go hard in those yeah. interviews. It's pretty intense, pretty intense. You you get a talk and the priest actually will help you. I mean, he guides you in certain things or gives you certain points you can meditate on. But I mean, they give you like a lot of food and you really can't process it all. And so it's kind of where the Holy Ghost will move you. Then you go and I always, you know, sometimes people go to their rooms and stuff, but I prefer going right in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I would do my meditation there. And sometimes it was 30 minutes, sometimes it was 45 minutes, sometimes you lost track of time. You know, and then you also just you just have quiet time to think, you know, to write, to talk to our Lord, to be with him. And uh, you do get to meet a little bit with the priest as well. So if you had questions, concerns, maybe things that are bothering you in your own life, you can talk to him over about it. He can sort of give you some pointers. He also wants to know how you're doing on the retreat. It was sad. I mean, in the middle of it, we had one man that bailed. He, I guess like he couldn't take it. I, I've been on a few of these retreats before, and that's never happened. I've heard those stories. <laughs> but but one one uh, one young man he just he just disappeared he was out of there so obviously the priest was concerned and worried because at first you don't even know where he is you know yeah. we're all kind of in the middle of nowhere I mean yeah I had my car so I mean if I wanted to I can jump in my car and drive off right but um and you get to do a general confession uh, there's a lot of food for thought we could just discuss some of that there but before you know I dominate the conversation. I want to hear about the gala, the event, the conference for the youth that you just hosted. It might have been the biggest event Sokos put on in terms of oh, yeah. people and area and all the logistics you guys were running. How how was that? Yeah, it was uh, overwhelming is probably the best word that I can put in, a, in both a good and difficult way. After being around four, four and a half years, really trying to just follow you know God's grace, it was really a culmination of a lot of things especially the night of the gala, just seeing, you know, Bishop Strickland is there, Father Nolan, they both gave talks. Father Nolan stole the mic from me at least twice. Um, and just hearing all these people supporting this cause that it's like something so much, so clearly bigger than any individual than myself or all the others involved. And, you know, seeing like the stories of people, one of the, one young man gave his story about his experience having been in like AA and SA and coming to totally transform his life through mental prayer and now he's leading others and all this stuff and his wife is involved and i mean it's just it's so humbling and such an honor to see you know friends of mine people who've been involved with soka from all around the country coming in it's just you know humbling and i think you know the theme of it was devout remnant you are the hope of the church so the theme of our talks really centered around beginning the first night with a real intense kind of shock factor with the war that we're in it's really a war with satan actually tying liberalism to satanism and the ego and me myself and i and all that and to show like we're really this is an urgent situation moving from that to we had a religious hermit speak about investing in eternity rather than in this life i'm um, in the life of grace and then to talk about catholic culture traditional catholic culture latin things like that how that can build up a sense of leadership that's that we if we lead with that that's that can create a bond that leads to long-term fruit in the church Bishop Strickland gave a talk about the importance of the soul of the apostolate. And we did a procession from Sacred Heart of Beautiful, smaller church downtown to the cathedral. And Bishop Strickland spoke from the ambo at the cathedral. And we processed downtown. The police were supposed to block off the roads. And they pulled out last minute, like the day before. So I'm running around, like as everyone's checking in. And now I get, we got to tell everyone we don't have the streets blocked off. And we don't have any police, like, watching out so you know, come at your own risk. Bishop Strickland was down for it. And so we went, we went ahead with it. And, um, awesome. There you go. Was, go ahead with it. Yeah. No, I was no. like, if, if you're willing to still do it, your excellency, let's do it. And he said, definitely. So basically, I mean, he's like, yeah, I, he was just on board for everything. I mean, to have a bishop like that is just, 
a, a huge inspiration. I mean, he just he believes in the faith. Without diving into all the other bishops and everything else, let's just say it's very refreshing to have a, a leader in the church really just say, I, you know, we're here for the salvation of souls, for reparation of the Sacred Heart, and to live out the Soli Apostolate from the Ambo at the cathedral. And, and we thank our own Archbishop for allowing us to do it there, you know, and the diocese for encouraging it. So the, the thing was, you know, really hitting hard, the interior life is the, the long-term fruit that we'll see. And, and having these used, you know, we had over 230, I believe, there that were young young adults processed downtown and and to give witness in that way and say, yeah, we want to, we're on board with looking different, to look where, you know, all these ladies in you know, dresses and veils and men dressed up. We have over like two or 3,000 photos. So I'm hoping to share those, you know, amazing photos. There's one where there was this father, African-American father, playing football with his two sons. This is, we're downtown Denver. You know, it was a two-mile procession we did basically. And from the beginning of our procession to the end, he had his sons and himself kneel down while we all walked by in reverence, you know, and I I don't know, I would assume they're not Catholic, but they could tell there was something like holy going on. And that sort of witness, and there were a bunch of things, we handed out a bunch of miraculous medals, and there was a lady who beckoned me over and was asking what this is all about, and I gave her a miraculous medal, she said, oh, I'd love that, and I'll pray for you. And it was just in a city, you know, that's quite pro-choice, and in the last 10 years has really gone downhill since the legalization of marijuana, it's really just, it's becoming much more just a broken area to see that light there, uh, especially with all these young Catholics, you know, willing to be devout. Um, and then to go to the cathedral and have that awesome talk. And we had adoration, the cathedral and Gregorian chant. And it was just, it was really overwhelming for me to see all of that. I mean, when I look back in the moment, there are so many things going on, but when I look back, I see the pictures and, you know, maybe I can share the link uh, in this video maybe, but it was really, um, you know, a sign of hope despite the darkness that we're living in. But in a certain way, embracing that reality that we are the remnant. We are, and you know, if you think about like Jacob, Jacob's well, the pagans looked at him weird, like, why are you setting up shop here, so to speak? You know, like, you're not going to get water here. And that was the same place the Samaritan woman, you know, goes to the well and she's, you know, had what, six, seven husbands and she's been divorced. And our Lord says, there will come a time when they will worship in spirit and truth. And, and in that moment, you see, okay, the infused contemplation, all these things we talk about, uh, the martyrdom and, and living with the mission, living for the apostle and for our, our you know, our calling in life and, and our own vocation and our state of life and all that. And a lot of times it's, it's easy to think about all that and say, okay, that's me creating it. But this is something I hammered home. We didn't choose this life. It wasn't us who chose God or who chose, you know, everything that's going on. It was God who chose us to live in this time, to be faithful to him. And that's what it's like to receive the living waters, to know experientially that it's, it is truly God who knows, you know, the hairs of our head are numbered and he's watching out for us very individually. And he has an exact plan for us in this time, in this life. And to see that, you know, these little moments of grace, I think this week when it was sort of a, a glimpse into that, of you know, the living waters of, of God's life within us. So there's, there's some reflections from the weekend. Yeah, no, that's really great. That sounds wonderful. So I'm very glad that uh, so many souls, so many young souls got to uh, enjoy that. Fantastic. Um, yeah. There, there are a few, other, a few other things that, you know, I would say is we, we, we hit hard the interior life, but we also really pushed small groups uh, afterward. You know, we talked about accountability and things like that, and we really pushed and we had like over 60 people sign up who are interested in either hosting or being a part of a group like that in their local area or remotely. 
and so that's something we're really we're really trying to encourage people is you know we have like our kickstart to the interior life and stuff like that that it's encouraging to see you know that we don't want it just to be a retreat high or a nice weekend thing it's should be a sort of kickstart to where do you go from there and obviously you know with your own ignition retreat you know it's probably something you've thought about but like we had a lot of fun there are a lot of social time and people meet from all over the country and you know they went on a hike you know it was just it was just a really awesome awesome weekend but that's the heart of it is the spiritual life and hopefully we're trying to really really hit hard like none of it matters if it, if it doesn't lead to the long-term fruit the interior life so there you go no, I mean, you're definitely right on that. So I'm glad you guys did talk on that. And I'm glad there's ways that they can maybe have, you know, follow through and continuity and, and keep it up because you're right. I think these events, certainly a retreat like the one I was on, I mean, it can serve to, you know, recharge you sort of like charge up the batteries again to rejuvenate you, to get you feeling, you know, more committed again to the spiritual life. But I mean, they constantly are telling you on the retreat and it's true. It's like, you know, you're feeling one way right now, maybe the way that people were at the conference and then you get back home. And you get back into like the world and the normal routine of life and it just hits you. And and so many of those graces that you were given or that you were sort of glimpsing uh, can be gone. So you definitely have to make strong resolutions and and have a plan on how you can sort of maintain some of that momentum, you know, and and keep going. So that that is huge because uh, that is what it's about. It's about perseverance and, and persevering. And that's actually, you know, one of the neat things. I mean, actually, it was uh, these. I think uh, I think a five-year retreat is really important. But some people even recommend certainly doing it once a year. Uh, I know in some dioceses, the priests are actually like it was maybe not today anymore, but it certainly was in the past, like a mandatory thing that you made a week-long retreat every year. You know, that's how important it is. If you can do it, it's important. I mean, I think I try to get one at least every other year. You know, my wife and I have tried to be doing. We're trying to do that every other year. And you do, you, you need it because, like I say, it falls off. But the last one I did, so that would have been, I just poor like three, five years ago, the last one I did, is when I made that resolution to a spiritual communion, like every day and more frequently than just once a day. So, you know, that's kind of why I thought to open up the show today with the spiritual communion, because that was one of the fruits, one of the resolutions I made some time ago. And it was something that the priest said and something that came up in prayer where I just thought, you know, got to make these spiritual communions more frequently throughout the day. And so then, you know, you can sort of like have a little holy competition with yourself yeah. and with your guardian angel helping you out to see, you know, can I do one? Can I do two? Can I do three? How many times will I remember to touch base back with our Lord and to make that spiritual communion? Just take, I mean, it doesn't take long, but it's a little moment in the day before you start an activity. You get in the car, you do this, you do that, where I can make spiritual communion. And so I got, I got to keep doing that because that's a resolution I made from, you know, a retreat years ago. And so I have to, I have to keep it up. That's such a good way to keep the presence of God. And that's one of the, in, in what I've, as far as I can tell from what I've read with the saints say, you know, that there's a lot of concrete exercises you can do, like 15 minutes of spiritual reading, 30 minutes of mental prayer, you know, lauds and vespers, whatever. But the thing that's sort of the, the heart, the meat of it all is keeping the presence of God and keeping God throughout your day. You know, St. Francis of Sales talks about that, that keeping recollected throughout your day is like the most effective uh, spiritual exercise, so to speak, that you can do. Um, and I think, yeah, spiritual communions are just like the, maybe the most powerful way of, you know, cause you just, you just, there's an infinite amount of communions you can do, you know, just in a, just a plethora, a wealth of a treasure that you can dip into at any moment. Yeah. No. And I mean, one thing that really struck me is 
I definitely think there's some misconceptions with spiritual communions, and, and Father Rodriguez preached on this several times and made me realize that a lot of people think that if you can't go to receive Holy Communion at Mass because you're in a state of mortal sin or because, you know, you're divorced and remarried, not that you're remarried because you're not, if you're like, you know, yeah. divorce doesn't exist. But I think a lot of people have sort of promoted it that way. Like, you know, you go to Mass, right. everybody else is up receiving Holy Communion, you instead make a quote-unquote spiritual communion. And Father Rodriguez, I mean, it was he was great that he gave us good teaching because he said, I mean, the spiritual communion is really supposed to achieve basically the same thing that the sacramental communion is achieving. And it's what we talk about all the time, right? Union with God. You are united with him in your soul. Uh, that, that's really the whole language of the spiritual communion. You're begging God. You're, you're saying, come into my soul. Be with me. Be united with me. And so Father said, that's really what you're praying, but you're in a state of mortal sin and you have no sanctifying grace. How exactly are you asking for this union? You know, like, how does that work? So he was emphasizing that that's really not what the spiritual communion is, is going to be most effective. You know, I mean, obviously people can still pray it, so there's nothing to say not to pray it. Right. That's not really sort of like its main intent or how it was, you know, right. by the saints and in Catholic spirituality. It really was this, what you just said, to maintain your union with Christ. You're already in the state of grace. You do receive sacramental communion when, when it when that time happens, when you're at Mass, let's say, you know, once a week, whatever it might be. In centuries past, it might have been once, you know, more less frequently. Uh, we know that was the custom then. But but it is. It's to maintain that deep union with him. And so you've got to be in a state of grace for that. And so it just gets us back to sort of like that foundational thing where you kickstart the interior life period by just being in the state of grace and remaining in the state of grace, how important that is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what, uh, from your, from your retreat, what, or were there any particular meditations that really stuck out? Oh man, yeah, there, there was quite a few, and there's some that I'm still going back to. You know, one that was, uh, there's so many that were great, but one that was, let's say, particularly beautiful that I really enjoyed. Meditation on hell. Particularly beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say particularly, particularly powerful. No, I was going to say it was about the resurrection. Um, it, okay. it really was just deep meditations about what it was like for our Lord coming to see his mother. You know, I created a very long scenario about what took place in limbo when our Lord's soul was down there and how he was meeting with the saints and the different things that the saints were saying and all the different kinds of things that might have been said as, as a different soul got to limbo, you know. I mean, what's it like when Adam and Eve are the only ones there? And then, you know, Noah gets there and the things that Noah's telling them and, you know, the great longing that was just building up in limbo, right? And, you know, we were talking, even like when the Holy Innocents got there, they're like, you know, things are up there, like we died for him, you know. When St. John the Baptist shows up, he's like, it is coming, you know. He is up there, he's thundering on the earth. And I just got my head chopped off like he's walking in the limbo carrying his head sort of because because uh, now he's in limbo. And, you know, and then when St. John the Baptist like met St. Joseph. So I'm meditating about all this, you know, what it was like St. John the Baptist meets St. Joseph, the sort of very sort of stately patriarch. He's calm. He knows he just had this peaceful death. He knows his son's there. He knows the work his son is about. Uh, he's been through his seven sorrows. He's sitting in my mind like on a throne in limbo, like there's this royal court that the kings are successively sat and had different ones sitting there. And, of course, the main seat was for St. Joseph there. Um, yeah. you know, and then, of course, our Lord shows up. I mean, and then, and then they all went up to Our Lady. Then they all went up to see Our Blessed Mother. And, and the train that came through and knelt before Our Lady's throne, uh, her little humble chair there in the home that, where she was at, probably in Jerusalem. And, and the union, the union between our, I think tears in my eyes to think about the union between son and mother. 
you know, how our blessed mother and, and our Lord, the joy and, uh, ah, boy. So it was, it was, it was good meditation. Um, that yeah. was neat. I mean, and another one, I, I forget how we got there. I think it was maybe one about Tin Ignatius gives you about the battlefields and, and the Babylon plane and this plane and, you know, what you're going to choose. But, but I had created this whole scenario where my group, the good group that's with our Lord has built this massive church. And it was just, it was this beautiful church. And I was meditating about all the different things we'd have in the church. And it was like a big coliseum because we wanted to show the martyrdom. But on top, it was like a mountain and we had a huge Calvary. You could actually climb up to the top of the church and be outdoors and do like stations of the cross for our Lord because we did that also. And uh, different areas of the church actually had like sky roof where you could grow wheat, you could grow grapes. And we had an olive garden the other place. We had like this rock that like let out the water and that's where we got the baptismal water from. And so in this contained church, you like had all the things you needed for the sacraments, the matter and form. And, you know, all these people were running around doing this. It was, it was, it was a neat meditation. So I, I go back to that church now, the church that, that we were building up, which I called the Church of St. Vincent Ferrer and St. Athanasius because I love those two saints. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's just some of it. You know, I mean, it's, it's guys the limit when you start meditating and communicating with our Lord about these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, as you're, you're talking about, you know, our lady, the bond between mother and son, I went to this conference after Soka, like within 20, within 48 hours and just exhausted, but there's uh, someone there that came to our conference was at this other conference, an older gentleman, a uh, very zealous, devout, very experienced as well. And for some reason we were talking about the cross and joy and how how do you reconcile you know joy and sorrow because we say like the saints found joy in suffering and you know one thing he brought up is well think about our lady there's pain associated you know when our lord the finding of our lord at the temple like there's joy of finding him but also the sorrow of not having had you know not having him and she's seeing the prophecy, like the prophecy of Simeon, for example, like he's our savior. But at the same time, she she knows she's going to be pierced in her heart. And of course, she was, you know, well, she knew the scriptures. I mean, you look at the Magnificat. She knew what was prophesied of the Messiah, you know, and of their savior. She knew there's going to be a lot of suffering. And yet she embraced, you know, fiat. And so I think what we got is basically like the Christian life isn't isn't like what well, teeters from just joy and sorrow. It's more like the more you advance and mature in the spiritual life, the more there's this mixture of joy and sorrow all in one. And, and it's not an either or it's a both and and it's not less like sorrow doesn't mean it's less alive, but it also doesn't mean that you it's like you create this sort of stoic defense mechanism so that you can't feel pain because then you're not open to the true joys of goodness and the love of God. Our Lord's heart's heart was not, you know, right, like right there, our Lord's heart is not in a metal cage, you know, it's pierced. And, you know, in that image, you zoom in, I mean, you can see the tears in his eyes, you know, the sacred heart for God so loved the world. But it's the Christian life is that you're more alive. You know, in heaven, it'll be the beatific vision, eternal, perfect happiness forever where sorrow will be no more. But in this life, it's we're not looking for that one moment in our life where we finally feel peace. You know, this life is about living to the full, so to speak, in the Christian sense that is embracing all of the, the joy and sorrow that comes with the state we're in in this life. And I think Our Lady epitomizes that in, in the victory that, you know, as you're talking about the resurrection, the sense of that, like it's all mixed. We see these little cycles of the, 
life, death, and resurrection played out in our life over and over and over, you know. And it's good, I think, to meditate on that sense of victory, the little victories and the ultimate victory. They ultimately give it all all meaning. Sure. Certainly does. Uh, well, it looks like, again, we're running out of time, Kevin. So let's uh, we'll get together again and maybe cover some of this as well, some questions that people might have. I don't know if you have any parting words, but my own parting words are just for anyone. Do a five-day retreat. It will, a five-day silent nation retreat does a lot for your spiritual life. If you've never done one, you really should. I know people complain or they say, I can't and work and everything else. And I just say, you got to make the time anyway, because God is never outdone in generosity. Yeah. And if you, the greater the sacrifice you might make to make this time for God in your life, then, you know, the greater grace that you're going to reap for it. God is good that way. So I know for many, it can be very difficult and it can be a challenge. But I strongly encourage everyone to really, you know, make make the silent nation five day retreat. They're powerful. God gives you many graces that otherwise we're often just not open to. Any closing words you might have, Kevin? I echo that. Good deal. Kevin says for the next uh, conference, make sure you come on down. You know, all the people that uh, and, and start jump starting your interior life. That's a good one too. All right, close with a brief prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray, pray for, for us. us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Great talking with you, Kevin. We'll catch up soon again, all right? Likewise. Thank you, David. God bless everyone. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the spiritual life, the Catholic faith, and the message of Fatima, and to support our vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. May all we do be for the greater glory of God and the salvation of souls. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us.